Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection on November 9th, 2022. As always, I invite you to share this podcast with your family and friends and anyone that you would like, because I truly believe whenever God's Word is sent out, it never returns empty. Now let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Most merciful and gracious God, we thank you today for the many gifts that you have bestowed upon us. Help us to recognize all you have given us as gifts and not something we have earned. We ask that you would help us as we are learning, loving, and living your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I presume that most of us are familiar with the parable of the prodigal son found in the book of Luke. To help set the stage for today's reading, let's take a look at a dictionary definition of the word prodigal. It is a person who spends money in a recklessly extravagant way. Also, prodigal son or prodigal daughter is defined as a person who leaves home and behaves recklessly, but later makes a repentant return. You know, as Westerners, we tend to interpret the story as one of greed and arrogant self-righteousness. We see the younger brother as being greedy and insensitive to his father, and his older brother is smugly self-righteous. If we look at this parable as an apple, the first bite might just look like the greedy younger brother, the forgiving father, and the grumpy, self-righteous older brother. And you know, this is certainly one of the classic interpretations. I was listening to a recent sermon podcast by Tim Keller, and he introduced me to another bite of the apple, if you will, and a different perspective on this parable. I'd like to share it with you. Before I read the story of the prodigal son, I'd like for you to listen as I read two verses from Ephesians. This will help set the stage for our reading on the prodigal son today. And this first reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Some might say these words are simple, but their meaning is staggering. This will give you a little insight into how and why Tim Keller unpacks and interprets this parable. Please listen now as I share this parable of Jesus with you as written in Luke chapter 14, 15, verses 11 through 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. 
After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf. He has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Our relationship with God should never be transactional. And if it ever appears to be transactional, it's only because we are trying to cut a deal with God through our good or bad deeds. The audience that Jesus had when he shared this parable was made up of tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees, as well as teachers of the law. The characters in the story are the younger brother, the father, the older son, and there's another minor character. He was known as the citizen of the country where the younger son had traveled to. He hired the younger son to help feed his pigs. For our study and reflection today, we're only going to focus on the two brothers and the father. It boils down to the younger son doing something bad to earn his father's inheritance, and the older son doing something very good to earn his father's gifts or inheritance. 
In the story, both sons are trying to get their father's treasures on their own merit by doing something just in two different ways. You know, we could probably say, well, the younger son did something wrong by asking his father for his inheritance early, even if he did step in front of his older brother. But you know, that's just a family matter. Let's don't worry about it. Well, in the society that they were in, Jews in particular had a strong notion of corporate solidarity, which means people were bound together in various relationships, and the deeds of one were representative of the whole. For example, when Achan withheld some of the plunder from the Battle of Jericho, his offense was called Israel's sin, and the cause of God's wrath against the entire community. This story can be found in the book of Joshua, and specific reference to this in chapter 7, verse 1 and verse 11. Now, Tim Keller had a professor in seminary named Richard Loveless, and he said something that helped shape Tim's life. He said there are three kinds of people in the world irreligious people, religious people, and Christians. He said Christians are people that know they are saved by grace. They are not saved because they are worthy, nor are they saved because of anything they have done. But it is by the sheer grace of God in and through what Jesus has done that they are accepted. This is one of the points Jesus is making in this parable. Now, whether we like it or not, or whether we recognize it or not, we are all those brothers. Whether it be the younger brother or the older brother, we become anxious and we feel like we need to do something to earn God's favor. It's almost like we have to build up credit and check a bunch of boxes before we can be accepted and earn our way into the kingdom of heaven. Wrong, wrong, wrong. The verses I read earlier from Ephesians bear repeating one more time because it truly is good news for anxious Christians. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is by the grace of God and through the gift of faith that we are saved. We are justified not by our deeds, but what Jesus did for us on the cross. Before ending, I'd like to make a distinction between the deeds of self-justification and the deeds of service. The deeds of self-justification are done out of selfish pride in hopes that we earn or gain favor from God based on our deeds. Now, the deeds of self-service are what James spoke of when he said, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, 
if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. The deeds that both of the brothers did in the parable we read today were self-serving deeds. They were far from being deeds of service to others. The good deeds we do for others should be in response to God's grace that we already have in and through Jesus Christ and should never be intended to earn God's grace and love. Jesus did that for us. And as Tim Keller always says, all we need is Jesus plus nothing. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are our Heavenly Father, and you make provision for all our needs through your love and grace. Help us, O Lord, to stop trying to earn something we already have and show our gratitude for what you have given us in and through your Son, Jesus Christ, by our service to others. We lift up this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.